Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're especially proud to report in our second segment today, we're going to have an interview with Peter G. Peterson concerning his new book, Running on Empty how the Democratic and Republican parties are bankrupting our future, and what Americans can do about it. Peter Peterson is the chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations, a private organization of business executives, scholars, and political leaders that studies global problems and plays a key role in developing U.S. foreign policy. The CFR is one of the most important semi-official groups that's concerned with America's role in, in international affairs. We're looking very much forward to that in our second segment today, and that is something you should definitely stay tuned for. Now, we, we were in Washington, D.C. and the Midwest uh, for most of late July and early August, so we still have a lot of catching up to do in terms of uh, news stories out there that we think we ought to bring to your attention. They're not all uh, of the utmost seriousness, I should add. Uh, in fact, I can't resist starting with the following item. Uh, Mike Robinson from the Associated Press, Dateline Chicago, reporting on the, uh, the new senatorial campaign of radio talk show host Alan Keyes. Robinson reports that Alan Keyes says he would like to end the system under which people elect U.S. senators and return to the pre-1913 practice in which senators were chosen by state legislatures. Alan Keyes said last week that the 17th Amendment to the Constitution that provided for the popular election of senators upset the balance between the people and the states. He said it was one of the reasons there's been a steady deleterious erosion of the sovereign role of the states. Key's Democratic rival, State Senator Barack Obama of Chicago, issued a statement saying he supports popular election of U.S. senators. Another election news in campaign 2004. The Kerry Edwards team has opened up a 6 to 7 percentage point lead over Bush Cheney in Florida and has now swung Ohio into the Kerry camp by about a 3% margin. We should note that in the 2000 election, the, the two uh, most important states after Florida to that contest were New Hampshire and New Mexico. New Hampshire went to Bush, New Mexico went to Gore by the slimmest of margins. Both now appear to be running to carry by about seven percentage points. Seven points is a pretty good lead. When you add up all of these states right now, no matter how slim the margin, and assign them to one candidate or the other based on polls, it's carry 316 to 222, a 94-vote lead in the Electoral College, 46 more votes than the 270 needed. Many of these battleground states, of course, are really too close to call with margins, in one case, under 1% in the, case, uh, in, in the state of Nevada. Uh, 
But uh, this is not how it's being reported, and I wonder why. On next week's program, we're going to speak to uh, to Jerry Polikoff, a good friend of ours who's uh, no expert on polls, but has analyzed this very closely. I like his analysis, and um, we'll bring you Jerry next week. We'd like to return to a subject that we have mentioned before on this program, the collision of science and politics, especially in this election year. 4,000 scientists now, including four Nobel Prize winners, have signed a statement opposing the Bush administration's use of scientific advice this year. Let's repeat one example that we told you about a few months ago, when a panel of experts by a 28 to nothing vote declared the Plan B morning after contraception a safe drug for over-the-counter sales. They expected the FDA to to approve it soon afterwards. But six months later, The agency disagreed and cited a lack of data about the safety of the drug for 11 to 14-year-old girls. And uh, Plan B, as it's called, still remains in limbo. Three physicians on that FDA advisory panel protested in an editorial published by the New England Journal of Medicine claiming the agency was distorting the scientific evidence for political reasons. We'll be talking in the future about uh, ongoing contraception issues and the matter of stem cells. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Uh, We don't have time, literally, in today's program to go through all of these scientific issues and how politics has been intruding on them, but uh, it is a favorite of ours, and we will return to it, I promise. We'll be talking politics and economics in our second segment today, so we might uh, might want to cite some of the following items here. Uh, the Wall Street Journal noted that in theory, the U.S. has the second highest corporate tax rate in the industrial world after Japan, but few companies pay the 35%. Since 2001, shelters, loopholes, and offshore offices have enabled the average corporation to pay 20% of their revenue in taxes. For publicly traded corporations, the rate was 12%. According to the Knight Ritter newspaper chain, in the year 2003, a record 1.63 million Americans, that's 1,630,000 Americans, declared bankruptcy. And I suppose this was inevitable. Business Week has reported that Mass Mutual recently launched a new estate planning tool for wealthy pet owners. The $500 Pet Guardian Trust Service covers upkeep and health costs for Fido after the owner dies. So far, 500 people have signed up. The Financial Times have reported that uh, so far, U.S. corporations have outsourced 400,000 technology and business processing jobs to foreign companies, most of them in India. By 2015, another 3.3 million jobs will have been sent abroad. I should note that my producer here, Mr. McMillan, has a friend who emigrated to the United States from India. He specializes in creating websites. He's in the high-tech, I guess you'd say, industry. He can't find work in America. Why? All the jobs, (laughs) apparently, (laughs) the jobs he's seeking have been outsourced back to India from whence he came. Of course, if he were back in India, working in his chosen field, he'd be paid a lot less than he hopes to be paid here. That's the whole idea behind outsourcing. 
Now, uh, we love uh, the Week magazine. We love its particularly Good Week 4, Bad Week 4 section. Last week, we, re- we reported on the Aeroflot flight attendants who got drunk on a flight from Moscow to Siberia. And when a passenger complained that the in-flight meal hadn't been served, the attendants attacked and beat him. The week after that item, their Bad Week 4 section included the following. Uh, well, including the observation that it was a bad week for China's one-child policy after the communist government ruled that Pfizer's patent for Viagra was invalid there, opening the country's market to a flood of cheap, generic rivals. This, of course, could have a negative fallout in the country with 1.2 billion people. Last week's issue of the magazine noted that it would be a good week for invading Finland. The Finnish armed forces said they were dismissing more and more young conscripts because they'd grown up addicted to the Internet. Quote, They are physically too weak to do the service and mentally unprepared to deal with people directly, said a military official. They noted it would be a good week for paranoia when a turban-wearing Sikh attending Boston College was detained and interrogated by Secret Service agents for taking photographs of the campus. I don't want you pulling an Uzi from your turban, one of the agents reportedly told Sandeep Sani. Uh, I'm pretty sure an Uzi doesn't fit under a turban, uh, <laughs> but then uh, I'm no expert. And it was a good week for the letter of the law, and I can verify this story because I heard about it when I was back in Washington, D.C. Police arrested and handcuffed a Washington woman for chewing what was left of her chocolate bar as she entered a metro station. Eating is now prohibited on the metro. I was warned sternly about this from some uh, uh, some public radio people when I was myself eating a candy bar as I entered a metro station. Luckily, I was not arrested. But you know the bad week section for is is always uh, is always my favorite. Last week it was a bad week for ratting out the boss. News item. An employee of the Alabama Department of Transportation installed spyware on his boss's computer and proved that he spent 10% of his time working, 20% of his time checking his stocks, and 70% of his time playing solitaire. The employee was fired. The boss kept his job. You might have considered uh, last week a bad week for fashion statements. When a couple, because a couple was kicked off a flight from Miami to New York after the man refused to remove his t-shirt, which showed a picture of a woman with one breast exposed. And as reported by The Week magazine, it was surely a bad week for professional expertise last week when a heavily armed team of narcotics agents burst into a Texas man's home after mistaking the hibiscus plant in his front yard for marijuana. It's got white buds on it, said Blair Davis. Hello? Now, uh, a couple weeks back, I finally had a chance to see a movie that I'd heard about since high school, but never got around to actually watching, Inherit the Wind, the story of the uh, famous uh, 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. Uh, the distinguished lawyer Clarence Darrow, of course, is played by Spencer Tracy. It's a, it's a very famous movie, and... Uh, and I enjoyed watching it, but uh, I must say I get a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach when I read about the following item. Uh, a veterans group began touring the nation this week, this would be last week, 
with the Ten Commandments monument that was banished from the Alabama State Courthouse. The first stop was the site of another heated battle over church and state, the Tennessee building where John Scopes was convicted in 1925 of teaching about evolution instead of the Bible story of creation. Yes, the Ten Commandments were taken to Tennessee to where John Scopes was convicted of teaching evolution. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, hmm. The last stop in the tour of this, uh, for this monument will be Washington, D.C. next October. Now, of course, former Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore lost his job last year for defying a federal order to remove the monument with the Ten Commandments, which the court said, I think rather properly, was an unconstitutional endorsement of religion. Judge Moore gave his blessing of the effort, saying America, quote, needs to be reminded of our moral foundation, unquote. This might be a good time to mention on the program that the views you hear expressed on this show do not, necessarily, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our underwriters, or the regions of the University of California. But I have to say, I do find it odd that people call, uh, call the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, the, these, these ten rules from the Bible, when in fact there's something like 17 clauses in that section alone out of, uh, I believe, something like 500 different rules as laid out in the book of Exodus. Now, you gotta admit, coming down with, uh, you know, stone tablets with 500 different rules inscribed on them would have put quite a load on poor Moses on Mount Sinai. Then again, uh, you know, the guy that could part the Red Sea, well, maybe he could have managed that. I don't know. But I do have to disagree with Judge Roy Moore that the, the Bible is the, uh, the moral foundation of United States law. Um, I just don't think that, you know, in, when the book of Exodus, it, it gives you a listing of what the punishment is if you strike your slave and you knock his tooth out or if your neighbor's ox uh, gores someone. Um, I just don't think that is necessarily the foundation of our law. You know, I'm not, not to deny that the Bible does not contain many moral precepts that we, do, we, do, that we would do well to adhere to. I, I'm certainly not, to, not arguing with that. I just don't think these people who claim that if we put the Ten Commandments up in our schools, we'd all be better off um, are, are really on the right track. All right, uh, one final item from the week. It was noted that uh, in Topeka, Kansas, officials were chagrined by the initial response to their search for a new slogan for the city. I guess they wanted to put something on billboards for people entering, whatever. Entries submitted to the local newspaper included Topeka, you won't get a lot of unwanted relatives visiting you. <laughs> also, Topeka, it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> and Topeka, city of morons. Tourism official Stephanie Wallingford said the city might forego adopting a new slogan. Quote, I don't think they were terribly positive, she said. No slogan is better than a bad one. Well, we have to agree with Miss Wallingford. No slogan is indeed better than a bad one. All right, here's a couple of quotes I like. Um, the first uh, from Bill Clinton, as cited by The Economist magazine. Everybody talks about John Edwards' energy and intellect and charisma. You know, I kind of resent him. <laughs> and I love this one. Apparently, uh, Bill Clinton's autobiography, My Life, has been pirated over in China, where they have rather lax copyright laws. 
And uh, reportedly, the first sentence of the pirated Mandarin edition of Clinton's autobiography is the following. The town of Hope, where I was born, has very good feng shui. Eh, I'm pretty sure that wasn't in the original. All right, we've up, we're up against it on time. We have a lot of ground to cover in our second segment today, so let's, uh, let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. You're listening to KDVS, Davis, Sacramento, 90.3 on your FM dial. <laughs> 